Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. On today's program, John continues his series on the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis with this message, How to Be Full of Love and Free of Bitterness. At the beginning of the message today, I want to give you a scripture verse from the New Testament. You might want to jot this down. If you have your Bibles with you, you might want to look it up. But in Ephesians chapter number 4, One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, W.A. Criswell used to say, he used to call this the sweetest verse in all the Bible, Ephesians 4.32, and here's what Paul said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so we all sin every day, and we hurt people's feelings, and sometimes we don't even mean to hurt their feelings. And so we ourselves stand in need of forgiveness. Well, other people are the same way. Just like it's easy for us to say of ourselves, well, I'm not perfect. We have to understand the other people aren't perfect either. And so they mess up and they hurt your feelings and they say things and do things and maybe they're rude or whatever. And so you have to, you have to be kind, tenderhearted, and you have to forgive them just like God has forgiven you. And so just like we want others to forgive us, we have to forgive them. That being said, here's the question that I want to ask you this morning. How can a person who has been hurt by somebody else, a person who has been uh, wounded in some way, whether that was physical, whether that was emotional, whether that was verbal, a person that has been uh, who's been hurt in some way, how can a person who's been through a real painful experience in life come to a place where their heart is full of love and their heart is free of bitterness? So how can we be full of love? That's the question. And how can we be free of bitterness? That's, that's a great question. I want to try to answer it today. So open your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 37, or at least turn there if you already had your Bibles open for Ephesians 4. Now turn to the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 37. We began last Sunday morning a study on the life of Joseph. We know that the life of Joseph is recorded for us in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. If you're not in a Bible reading plan right now, I would just suggest that you set aside a couple of weeks and each day read one chapter beginning in Genesis 37 all the way through 50. You'll get the entire story of Joseph. It would be two weeks well spent at a chapter a day. Now, Last week, we saw that, and I'll give a very brief review here, that if anybody in the world had a reason to be bitter, it was Joseph. Now, last week, we were talking about Joseph's faith and how he endured all he went through. Today, we're talking about how did he keep his heart free from bitterness and full of love. Here's a man whose, when he was 17 years of age, his brothers turned against him. They hated him. They envied him. They were jealous of him. They threw him in a pit. And then they got to feeling guilty about it, and they thought, well, we don't want to be guilty of bloodshed, so they pulled him out of the pit. They sold him to a group of people who were heading down to Egypt, so now they're making money off their brother. Joseph gets to Egypt. He gets a job for a high-ranking government official, so things seem to be looking up for Joseph. And after a a little bit of time on that job, that government official's wife 
falsely accuses Joseph of rape. He's imprisoned, and now he's languishing in an Egyptian prison. I'm saying to you, if anybody had an excuse, a valid reason to have a, hold a grudge against his brothers, against that lady who accused him, against the people who believed her accusation without any kind of a trial or giving him a chance to tell his side of the story. And then if that's not bad enough, one of the people he was in the prison with, after he got released, he says to Joseph, I'm going to remember you and speak a good word to Pharaoh to you when I get out of here. And he got out of that prison. He forgot all about Joseph. And so now Joseph is forgotten. He could have been bitter toward that man. And yet, as we read and study the life of Joseph, we find that he was free of bitterness against, not towards his brothers, he wasn't bitter, towards the woman who accused him, toward the people who believed her, or towards the man who forgot him. He had a heart that was free of bitterness. Now, I stand by the statement that he had a heart that was free of bitterness, but to, to make that statement 100% accurate, I have to say it this way. His heart was free, completely free of bitterness at the end of the book of Genesis. I'm going to show you a verse that's going to show us, I think there was a time in the middle of all that Joseph was going through that even Joseph struggled with bitterness a little bit. He had a battle going on. And, you know, misery loves company. And it does me good to know that somebody as amazing as Joseph, who himself was an Old Testament picture of Jesus, that he struggled with bitterness. Now, Jesus never struggled with that, but Joseph did. Now, let's just pick up reading. Turn to the end of chapter number 41. The end of chapter 41, and look at the very last verse of that chapter. That's verse number 57. It says, so all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. And so this is a pandemic now. This is everywhere. This, there, it was not just that there was a famine in Israel. There was a famine everywhere. And so Joseph, the seven years leading up to this famine, had been storing up grain, not only for the Egyptian people, but for everybody who came there. And so the word is out. There's grain down in Egypt. Everybody's going to Egypt to buy grain. Well, Joseph's brothers, who assume by now that he's dead or certainly that he is, they'll never see him again, they go to Egypt to buy some grain. They had no idea that they would be able to see Joseph and that he was the one who was actually going to be selling them the grain. And so his brothers, 10 of his brothers, his youngest brother Benjamin did not go. He stayed back in Israel with Jacob, their father. But the other 10 brothers came. In fact, Look in verse number one of chapter 42. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, uh, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's 10 brothers went to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. So jo Jacob was thinking, I've already lost my son Joseph, and I don't want to lose my youngest son Benjamin. So he didn't let Benjamin go. Verse 5, and the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. And so when his 10 brothers got to Egypt, they're going to this man who's selling grain. They bow down before him, 
but it's been so long since they had seen Joseph, and they're thinking he's either dead or he's, he's working some job behind the scenes. That they never dreamed this was Joseph. They didn't recognize Joseph, but he recognized them. He knew that these were his brothers. Now, look in verse 7, and this is the verse that says to me, I believe Joseph struggled a little bit with bitterness. He didn't just forgive immediately and automatically and without any struggle. He, 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 he did struggle. Look in verse 7. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them. Now watch this. And spoke roughly to them. That word roughly literally means harshly to them. And what did he say? He said, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph, verse 8, recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And so here we're seeing in Joseph, when he first saw his brothers, undoubtedly in his mind, he's thinking to himself, they hated me. They envied me. My father gave me a nice jacket, and they resented that. They threw me in a pit, then they sold me to the slave traders, the Ishmaelites going down to Egypt. And so they, and I think Joseph, as a human being, and we have to remember this, we're human. And there's something about our human nature, and even God has this, that we demand justice. When we see something happening in the world that is wrong, we want there to be justice. And when somebody does something against us, they say something that's not right, they try to hurt us in some way, they try to characterize us in some way that is not fully accurate or true, and they try to make themselves look good by making us look bad. As human beings, we say, this isn't right. Where's the justice? And so the human heart has a God God-given desire and a cry for justice to take place. And I think that's what Joseph was experiencing here. When he saw his brothers, he thought to himself, what they did wasn't right. And now they're coming to me, and I'm supposed to sell them grain so that they can live. So he spoke harshly, and he spoke roughly. So we see a little bit of this animosity in Joseph's heart. But now, look down to verse number 24 of the same chapter, because in chapter 24, we see another part of Joseph's heart. And it says, he, this, now he's in the presence of his brothers, and he's thinking to himself about, I'm in the presence of my brothers. I never thought I would see them again. It says, and he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. Uh, thus he did for them. And so Joseph now, at first he spoke harshly to them because he wanted justice. But then he got thinking, these are my brothers. I love my brothers, and his heart was tender toward his brothers. And so they were going back to Canaan, and he put grain. He filled their sacks up with grain, and they had paid him money. He put the money back in the He's being very merciful, very tender, and he kept his one brother, Simeon, there so that they would be sure to come back and he, he was kind of keeping them as, he was keeping him as a collateral uh, goods, as it were, so they would be sure uh, to come back and get him. So we see in Joseph, on the one hand, I want justice. What has happened isn't right. And yet, on the other hand, we see a very tender-hearted man. In fact, all the way through Genesis in this story, on and off, and we'll see some more verses in a moment, we find Joseph crying, weeping. His heart is touched. He's tender. And I, I thought about that even yesterday. I already had the sermon prepared on Monday, but I thought about that again yesterday, and I thought, Joseph is having the same struggle that we have. He found that it's not always easy to forgive people who've hurt us. 
Sometimes it is a process that we have to work ourselves through. And sometimes on the inside of us, we have this same struggle going on that Joseph had. And yet, at the end of the day, love won out. Joseph forgave his brothers, and he ended the story uh, not speaking harshly, but he ended the story, as we'll see at the end, by speaking very kindly to his brothers. And so the question is, how can we be full of love and free of bitterness? The first thing that Joseph did that helped him to forgive his brothers and to be free of bitterness and anger is that he kept his theology sharp. He kept his theology sharp. Now, when I first wrote that point on Monday, the way I worded it was, uh, Joseph had a good theology. Theology just refers to what we believe about God. But then I got thinking about it. I thought, well, it was more than just having a good theology. Joseph kept his theology sharp by putting his theology into practice during the circumstances and challenges of life. I think most people who read their Bibles, come to church, hear preaching, and go to connection groups or Sunday school classes, read Christian books, I think most people have a fairly good theology. And we believe God is in control. We believe that God has a plan. We believe that God knows what he's doing. We believe that God can bring good out of bad. Most of us, if we were taking a test, would ace that test. I think what we struggle with is putting our theology into practice in the real issues of life. And so that's why I've worded this to say, Joseph kept his theology sharp. When everything turned against him, he put his theology into practice. Now, look in Genesis chapter number 45. I want to show you how he did that because right in the thick of everything that Joseph was going through, we see that he is putting his faith into practice. And in fact, if you just look in chapter 45, verse 1, let me read the first eight verses of chapter 45. Then Joseph could not restrain himself by all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Now, by this time, his brothers have returned to Canaan, taken the food to uh, Jacob, the grain, and now they have come back to Egypt for the second time. And so now he's in the presence of his brothers alone. Verse 2, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. See, I'm telling you, Joseph is weeping. He's a tenderhearted fellow. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my brother still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. So they came near then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. So for the first time, Joseph is telling his brothers who he is, and they are completely shocked. But look in verse 5. But now, do not there be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And so Joseph was able to see the hand of God in these, this adversity and this difficulty that he had been through. Verse 6, for these two years the famine has been in the land, and there's still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity or a remnant for you in the earth and to save your life by great deliverance. Now look at verse eight. He said, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And so Joseph said to his brothers, you didn't send me here, God sent me here. 
You're not in control of my life. God's in control of my life. God sent me here. He used you to do it. But I'm here not at your will, but I'm here at the will of God. And see, that's what I'm saying. He kept his theology sharp. And so we have to apply that to our lives. How do we prevent becoming bitter? What do we do when we find ourselves resentful towards somebody? I'll tell you the first thing you better do, you better see the hand of God in that situation. And you have to understand that whatever it is you have been through in your life, and some people have been through things that are almost unthinkable. And God, I want to be clear on this, would never cause any of those things to happen. But God is nonetheless sovereign, and God is nonetheless in control, and God desires to bring good out of the worst imaginable things that any of us could go through in life. And so if you will see your situation from that perspective, and if you'll see God uh, being involved in that, and it is God the one, who is the one who's allowed you to go through it, then you're going to say, well, now, wait a second. If God allowed this, why would I be bitter at her? Why would I be bitter at him? Why would I be mad at them? If God allowed this to happen, God has a purpose. Listen, how could I be bitter at anybody that did something to me that God is ultimately going to use for my good and for his glory if I will keep my faith and walk in a way that would be pleasing to God? And so all of that to say Joseph had a heart full of love and free from bitterness because he kept his theology sharp. Second thing Joseph did, not only did he keep his theology sharp, but Joseph kept his heart tender. He kept his heart tender. That's why all the way through this passage, on and off, he's having to go into a private room. He's weeping. He's crying. He's tenderhearted. What did Paul say, Ephesians 4, 32? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And you could write Joseph's name over that verse. He kept a tender heart. And as I think about that, in fact, look back in chapter number 43. I'll give you another example of Joseph's tender heart. Look in chapter 43 and in verse number 30. It says, now his heart yearned for his brother. That is his younger brother, Benjamin. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and he wept there. He had a tender heart. He loved his family. He didn't approve of what they had done, but he loved them nonetheless. And then back in chapter 45, look down in verse uh, number 14. It says, then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, Joseph kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. And so if ever we read about a tender-hearted man, it is this man's, man Joseph. And you know what this says to me? It says there is a connection on some level between having a good theology, God is in control, God has a plan, God's plan is good, God's going to bring good out of it. There's a connection between ha- having a good theology and a tender heart. In other words, the better your theology, the stronger your faith is what I'm saying, the more tender your heart will be. There's also a connection between having a heart that is tender toward God and having a heart that's tender towards other people too. In other words, Joseph had a real relationship with God. He really did. Joseph knew God, and Joseph spent time in God's presence. 
Now, he didn't have a Bible like we have, but he had prayer. And there's no doubt in my mind that when Joseph was in that pit, he was praying. When Joseph was headed down to Egypt, he was praying. When Joseph was in that prison, he was praying. I believe Joseph was praying all the way through these experiences. So what I'm saying is, you say, John, how can I have a more tender heart? How can I be more like Joseph? Well, he kept his heart tender. He kept his theology sharp. God is in control. Kept his heart tender by living in God's presence and extending that love to others. And then the third and final thing I would say today about Joseph, Joseph made a distinction. This is very important. Joseph made a distinction between a person's behavior and the person himself. He made a distinction between a person's behavior and the person himself. Now, obviously, Joseph did not approve of what his brothers had done. What they had done was wrong. Throwing your brother in a pit is wrong. That's obviously wrong. Selling your brother for profit is wrong. Uh, Accusing somebody of doing something that they never did is wrong. Believing a false accusation is wrong. Telling somebody you're going to remember them and help them and then forgetting them, that's wrong. So Joseph didn't approve of any of that. That was all wrong. Some of it was intentionally wrong. Some of it just neglect and unintentionally wrong. But Joseph was somehow able to make a distinction. This is very important. If you want to be free of bitterness, you've got to be able to make a distinction between a person's behavior and the person himself. You see, when we talk about forgiving people, or or, or releasing them for what it is they have done. That doesn't mean that what they did was no big deal. Some of you listening today have experienced things in your life that were extremely big deals. They were very painful, and they were wrong, wrong in God's eyes, wrong in man's eyes, and wrong in your eyes. So when I'm saying forgive, I'm not saying that you say, well, it's no big deal. No, it was a very big deal. What I'm saying is we have to make a distinction in a person's behavior, what they have done, and the person himself. We have to remember this. No matter who has done what, that person was made in the image of God. And so one of the things that helps me in life, and I don't always get it right. Sometimes I find myself holding a grudge or being a little bit resentful, being a little bit bitter. I'm kind of like Joseph, have to work through that a little bit sometimes. But Normally, it's a fairly quick process because, I, first of all, I know myself so well, I can say, well, John, you're not perfect. Why would you expect other people to be perfect? So, you know, I think an honest assessment of our own sinfulness goes a long way in, in helping us with our relationships and our dealings with others. And so we have to be reminded of that. And then just to say, you know what? Not only are they not perfect, I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect. I remind myself of this. That person is made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27, we've all been made in the image of God, and it's very important that we remember that. Now, as we think about a takeaway verse from this sermon, I want to give you this one and another one, and I'm done. But the first takeaway verse is Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So I mentioned that verse several times today because it's so very important. It's like the sermon in a sentence. And then I want to give you another verse that you may not be as familiar with, but I love this verse. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. And listen to this. And, And as I read this verse to you, see if this doesn't sum up the entire Christian life. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Notice the two verbs in that verse. Believe on Jesus 
and love one another. Believe in love. Trust God and love people. There's the Bible in a nutshell. There's the Christian life in one verse. What does God expect out of us? He expects us to trust him in the pit, in the caravan down to Egypt, uh, in the prison, falsely accused, when we're forgotten, abandoned, lonely. He expects us to trust him. And not only that, the purpose of the sermon today, he expects us to show the same unconditional love to them, to those who've done whatever they've done to us that he himself has shown to us. Believe on Jesus, trust Jesus, and love one another. We hope that today's message, How to Be Full of Love and Free of Bitterness, has been a blessing to you. You can find this message, along with many others, under the broadcast tab on our website, peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.